If you are an irrigation professional, old or new, who designs, installs, or maintains high-end residential, commercial, or municipal properties, and you want to use technology to improve your business, to get a leg up on your competition, even if you're an old-school irrigator from the days of hydraulic systems, this show is for you. All right, guys, welcome back to the Sprinkler Nerd Show. This is your host, Andy Humphrey, and uh, it's Friday, and I'm in my truck driving to work. I'm going to, I had a thought this morning, and I actually meant to record this podcast earlier in the week and didn't have a chance to, but I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about, actually more of a follow-up to last week's episode, which had to do with raising price a little bit, and I think there's two uh, two important things. Number one is that is the fastest way to increase your profits is to raise your price. And I think that number, the second way is not to lower your price. And I think we often, we often miss that, especially in this industry, uh, primarily as it relates to new construction and bidding, right? It, it seems like the term bidding means you put in a number, then someone else puts in a number and the client's going to choose the lowest price project. And it's a very interesting, it's not wrong. It's, it's kind of right, but I think there's more variables to it that often get missed. And what I mean by that is the assumption that the client is going to take the lowest price. And I think when they do, they believe that everyone's providing the either the same value or the same deliverable. So if the project installation is going to be the same because everyone's bidding per plans and specs, then the only thing different could be price. So they feel like they're getting the same thing for a lower price. And I, I think that that can be true. It can be true. If, if the deliverable is a bike rack and everyone's bidding on the same make, model, color, etc., of the bike rack, and they simply have to drop off the bike rack or ship the bike rack, maybe, and when I mean bike rack, I mean one that goes on the street, like a, a site furnishing. It could be a trash can, a bench, a site furnishing. Maybe that that is more true than installing a landscape or installing an irrigation system, because even if there is a clear set of design specifications and plans. That doesn't mean that all contractors perform installation the same way with the same quality, craft, and care. And it doesn't mean that someone is going to be watching that happen. And so as it relates to price, I want you to think about how you can maintain your price. And perhaps I may call my good friend Paul Bassett when I get to my office and if I can reach him, I may have him add to this podcast because he's done a fantastic job over his career on, let's say, selling the value, maintaining the price and not moving when the client uh, pushes back on lower price. Paul, hey man, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Hey, I got a quick question for you. Uh, I was just recording a podcast in my truck this morning about uh, maintaining price because last week I talked about how the one of the best ways to increase your profits is to simply raise the price. And then I thought, well, the other, the second best way is to not drop your price when your client tells you that you're high and somebody else is low and they they want you to lower your price. So I thought you might be a good person to ask how you maintain your price and your value. 
Well, good to hear from you, Andy, as always. Um, a lot of times that question does come up, especially when you're in a competitive bid situation and you got multiple contractors bidding on the, hopefully the same scope. And a lot of times when a, the pricing comes back and they do a pricing and scope review to make sure everybody has the same scope, you know, a lot of times what we've seen is if uh, someone in our competition has a, has a lower price than us, what happens, what tends to happen, I'm not, not saying every time, but um, they don't scope it the same way we do. And, you know, we may scope more items and provide more services, and then they don't, and then our numbers are going to look inflated. So a lot of times we have to really clearly go in and assist the the contractor or the owner we're working for to make sure that it's really that we're all bidding the same scope apples to apples. So a lot of times we tend to find when that does happen that the competition may have left this out or left that out or the scope wasn't clear enough for them and it was ultra clear for us and then our numbers are are higher than our competition. So we, we rarely ever um, try to reduce our price to the competition. And a lot of times too, what we found is, you know, this can be a ploy by the general contractor to get us to lower our price um, because they want to use us because they feel good with our services and our quality but they got some lower numbers from some other folks and then they use that as sort of uh, a card for them to be able to go in and try to force us to lower our numbers mm -hmm. they want you your value your quality but they want it at the competitor's price that's right and we see that that's a ploy that happens a lot of time in general contracting when the, the GC really wants to use your number or wants to use you, but they got a couple lower numbers from some other guys. So they got to go back to the owner and say, Hey, you know, they want to either open book bidding and they go in with, you know, the three numbers and typically the owner's always going to go with the lowest one. They don't always know the value. So the general contractors, a lot of times they want to use the contractor they're familiar with and they're comfortable with. And then they try to force us to match a lower number um, so they can use us, but pay the lower price. Mm -hmm. Because in order to lower the number, you have to lower the value. You can't keep the same value, same quality, and just change the price. You have to change your scope, your quality. Something else has to change. Is that right? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, typically it's not going to be the quality. It's going to be the scope. You know, So say you know, we're going to, whatever the, the scope is, we're going to put in an irrigation system or modify an irrigation system. Um, and, you know, a lot of times with the irrigation systems, 98% of the products are buried in the ground. So there's a lot of times and folks can't and don't see really what happens um, during the construction of an irrigation system. So, you know, there could be a point where some lower quality contractors hide stuff because it's easy to hide. Um, they'll hide fittings that, that weren't they were plastic and they should have been brass or metal or they won't put in isolation valves or, you know, there's a lot of ways that contractors can, can hide things from uh, general contractors who aren't really familiar with how irrigation systems are installed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Are there times when you have, um, instead of uh, lowering your price, you have, let's just say held your own and maybe, you know, maybe this is the wrong word, walked away from an opportunity and then the client comes back to you at a later point and says, man, Paul, you were right. You were right. We, we want to go with you and we made the wrong choice by going with the lower guy. 
way more times than I'd like to to say, Andy, unfortunately. But I, again, been doing this long enough to know sometimes you kind of understand the game. And if you know the game going in and you know who you're dealing with, um, you just you just hold your ground and, and then hope it's going to turn out for the best. And there's been several projects that I've had um, with a very large general contractors. Will you know? Will they say, "Oh, well, we're going to issue your lighting team is going to get the get the bid, but you were low, or you you were the high bidder on the water scope, Paul." So um, we're just going to go with with your competition, and and I will flat out say good on them hopefully you guys you know go for the best you certainly have my number we work with you in the past if you need my assistance uh, or something happens with the contractor we're happy to come in and help mm-hmm. and i do get the call you know and i have gotten the call and i won't talk specifics andy on on yeah. this one since it's a recorded message but um, you know there are recent projects where you and i have worked on where um, i i have acquiesced that we are not going to win the bid and then i'll get the call a week or two later which i have the saying that oh uh, paul uh, the the competition they didn't scope it out and they they didn't include this in their price um we're just going to go back and, and and with you if you're willing to take the take the bid mm-hmm. do you think that companies lower their price in these situations out of fear out of fear, like not having another project or that they just have to do the work to fill the pipeline to keep the volume? Is there something about fear of losing that they just bend over and lower the price? All the time. I mean, for sure. I mean, maybe their backlog isn't, uh, or their pipeline isn't as full as they need it to be. And they want to make sure that they have, and they maintain their schedules and they keep folks busy. So they, they lower their margin. But then at the end of the year, when they look at the project, or the entire portfolio and go, oh my gosh, we only made 3% margin on the whole scope because they might've took a 10% here and a loss over there. And they were hoping, you know, some dream or something was going to happen that that they were going to make up margin in the field. And Mm. rarely does it happen. Yeah. Awesome. Appreciate your thoughts. Thanks so much, bro. Always good to hear from you. And I think that there's really something to be said about that because you, your value is your value. Your client does not get to decide what your value is. You, you get to decide what your value is, what you charge, why you charge it, how you position your company, what your value proposition is. That's for you to decide. And if you allow your customers to devalue you, then, then they're not believing in or buying into your value. They're... They're simply moving, having you move the price down and devaluing yourself. And so I know that I spoke about raising price last week. And I think the next, if not the most important thing is if you don't raise your price, maintain your price and think about how you can position that. Think about how you can build a stronger relationship with your clients so they understand why you may not be the low bid And perhaps you can educate them on things that they should look for when when talking to the lowest bidder, questions they should ask your competition or other bidders, because likely you know what, maybe we could call it games, you might know what the other contractor, what the games the other contractor plays, what they may be removing, what they, what are they doing to be low other than just simply missing the bid, which would be a problem also, 
because nobody wants to hire a contractor who, who did not bid it correctly and then they come back or either walk away because they incorrectly bid the project. But if you could develop that sort of expertise relationship with your client so that they are choosing you because you are actually the most value bid, even if you are the highest bid or let's just say maintaining your price, you're meeting it with value and your client understands what that is. And this isn't something for me to tell you what your value is here on this episode. It's more to remind you that you have the opportunity to decide what your value is, even if all the materials are the same between you and your competition and all of the plans and specification are the same, you still have an opportunity to represent your value and remind your customer what that value is. And it's something that you may decide to put some thought into this year and how you position yourself and what, what value your clients want. And I think that's also something to think about matching, matching what your value proposition is to the value that your clients want. Because sometimes if, if you're saying that your value is a five-year warranty, but the client is only asking for a one-year warranty because they're going to sell the property in 12 months, then they may not care about that longer warranty. And therefore they may not, it may be harder to justify a higher price for a longer warranty that they don't even need. So it's, it's important to make sure that when you are in conversations with your client, that you understand what they want so that you can position yourself and your company as the best value for what they want. And maybe that has something to do with positioning. There is a, there's a fantastic book. I may have recorded a podcast already about this and perhaps I need to do one in the future. A great book by April Dumford called Obviously Awesome. And it's basically about how to position, how to position yourself and that positioning comes first before before you market anything, before you sell anything, you have to position it because a well-positioned product essentially defines clarity to your customer. They understand exactly what they're getting and it makes sense. And I think that, you know, the way that she defines positioning is, is kind of like, uh, saying that, you know, understanding what are you the best in the world at delivering? right? What value are you the best in the world at delivering to a well-defined set of customers that care a lot about that specific value? So if you are positioning yourself as a smart irrigation company, then you better position that in front of customers who care about that. And you better show how you are the best in the world at that. If if your customer wants a, a new irrigation system for the high school football field and what they care about is green grass and they have no, they do not care about water conservation, then, then maybe positioning yourself as a smart irrigation company doesn't have the value that that particular client is chasing. Even if you are the best in the world at it, that client is not looking for that specific value set. Maybe they're looking for someone who is 
just an expert in sports fields. And they also want that person to do the field grading, lay the sod, and put in the irrigation system. Maybe that's really what they want. So what's interesting about positioning, kind of going on a tangent here, but reminds me of earlier days with the with Baseline Company. When I first started, when I first met the Baseline guys in 2005, I, I was interested in their two-wire technology and they did not have a controller that went on the wall. It was operated from a computer. <laughs> then it went out to a field box with a basically a serial connection, computer to computer serial connection to a little wall box that converted to two wire. And then the field equipment was unbelievable. And so the way I saw the baseline company was this amazing two wire technology that was so much easier to use than anything that was on the market at that time, like 10 X. And as soon as I put that in a contractor's hands that had been using, let's say at the time, Rainbird MDC or two core product, they were, they, they understood it. They were like, wow, you mean I can just search for decoders? You mean I can just come in here and reorder them with a click of a button? You mean there's LED lights on these decoders? You mean there's statuses? You mean, you mean, you mean, you mean, you mean? Like it was, it was game changer. And what's interesting now looking backwards is that's become just one sort of feature. And after two wire technology, it became a little bit, actually it became a little bit about soil moisture sensor. That was a differentiator. Okay. Where no one had a soil moisture sensor. And so that was very differentiating. And then as the company grew, it kind of became about web-based control. This was 2012. Baseline was the first company to have really a true TCP IP web-based controller. And now when you look at the market, that's become much more of a commodity. Two wire has become much more of a commodity. Soil moisture sensors, not yet. That market is still new. But I guess what I'm saying is that the value that Baseline offered had to change along the way as the market changed, as competition came in, and we, we had to sort of reposition what the value was and the offer was for different customers along the way. And where it ended up was this sort of um, differentiating out of, you know, the smart world. So if you look at all the major brands, I don't even have to name them. You guys know who I'm talking about. All, and let's just say all, every, every irrigation controller, a smart irrigation controller. I, I have recorded an episode about this. A smart irrigation controller is able to adjust based on weather and everybody makes that and everybody's pitch is save water, save time, save money. And there is little differentiation between that specific value proposition and that specific positioning, save water, save time, save money. That is the pitch that everybody says. So if everybody is saying that, how does the customer understand the differences? What they will likely see is they can get that, they can save water, they can save time, they can save money, and they can find the lowest price product and company that offers that. And so what we did at Baseline is we said, well, that's not really why someone's buying Baseline. Because you can buy that for 
$300 at, at Lowe's. You know, I, I don't know if the, you know, the city of San Antonio would buy a controller at Lowe's, but you understand what I'm saying. It's a, it's a commodity. Everybody offers it. And so it's going to the lowest price and baseline is not the lowest price controller. And there are a lot more capabilities and value of the control system. And what we discovered was that clients were actually coming to us to help them solve very specific problems and very specific problems that only baseline could solve because of the unique characteristics of the control system and how baseline was able to use conventional wire and two wire and wireless two wire and multiple water sources and multiple pumps and add pressure and control level and the list goes on and on that what we what what it came down to was that we were custom engineering control systems for clients we weren't custom let's say manufacturing them but we were writing a recipe that would take various control components put them together in a unique way to solve a unique problem and what we came up came upon was that we were building an engineered irrigation solution some customers cared about water savings some just cared about control some just cared about connecting to a pump that was on the other side of a project that they couldn't run a wire to. So it became about this engineered solution and that's how we positioned the company not to get caught up in the commoditization of smart, save water, save time, save money. So I'm, I'm saying this so that you can maybe reflect on your business, whether you are an irrigation consultant because even as an irrigation consultant, there are many, many different ways that you can consult in this industry. You may be a rainwater specialist. Maybe you just like to put dots on paper and you know, do CAD engineering for sports fields. Maybe you prefer to do construction administration and help manage projects on site. There are many ways you can differentiate yourself. And you know, the same is true for distribution and contractors and landscaping. There are many ways to differentiate and it's important to think about what are you the best in the world at? What do your customers care a lot about? And how do you maintain your value if you don't feel like you can add, if you don't feel like you can add to your price by one, five or 10%, how do you just maintain and get paid to do what you do at the value and, and sell the value that you have to your clients without your clients thinking you're something else and asking you to lower your price because they don't understand your value. So I'm getting to my office now. Those are my, I guess those are my thoughts of the day in kind of no particular order other than maintaining your value, positioning yourself and your company so that your customer clearly understands what you do and they're happy to pay you what you're worth so that you don't have to lower your price over time. So thanks so much for listening guys. Have a great weekend and we'll catch you on the next episode. <music>